When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Brighton Rock, an Albion podcast. In this episode, episode 17, I've hooked up again with Josh Goldsmith, a fellow podcaster on the other side of the pond, and another statesider, Amir Jafuri, who will be talking with me about the onset of coronavirus. Here we go. Doing good, man. Doing good. <laughs> Excellent. Josh, how are you doing, buddy? Russ, good. How are you? Yeah, very well, thanks. Very well. Good, good. The biggest, <laughs> the biggest question of the day, I guess, is the obvious one, right? The coronavirus that is ravaging the planet. Um, Russ, how uh, how's it affected you so far? How's your how's your life looking compared to the regular Russell life that we, we know and love? <laughs> uh, well, um, in terms of work, I'm self-employed. I'm a driving instructor. And to be honest, work's been quiet for about 15 months because of other matters, economic uncertainty, I think, about Brexit and all the other stuff besides. So I've been quiet anyway. I haven't, as far as I know, had any direct effects from this virus specifically since since then. So um, work-wise, not at all. Uh, Personal-wise, oh, well, I haven't got it. And uh, <laughs> it's... it's uh, <laughs> that you know of. Yeah, not that I know of. It's stifling my football going life, though, which is, of course, a major part of it. So, um, yeah, that's that's been painful. Uh, my Sunday football went ahead uh, this morning, though. So um, not all bad, not all bad so far. <laughs> well, that's good, at least. Um, uh, so have they, have they put any kind of ban on the amount of people that can gather in any one place in the UK yet, Russ? Um, I need to get out of favour today's news, but um, as far as I know, they aren't. They haven't so far, apart from giving advise, advisory um, kind of decrees. And I think there is talk of a ban being announced. Um, what that will be exactly, I'm not sure. That's as I understand it at this moment. Um, there is um, obviously there's been a number of recommendations for sporting events being cancelled, as we know. Um, and various other things besides. Um, but no, there isn't an out-and-out ban as far as we know at this stage. And it's certainly nothing like in Spain and Italy where people seem to be in lockdown and certain businesses have been told they have to close. Uh, we haven't got that at the moment. 
Yeah, that's uh, that was wild. Um, you know, seeing them all in like on their balconies, just living their life because they can't go any further out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair play to them. Yeah, at least they're making the best of it, aren't they? But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so for me personally, uh, I just got told that I'm uh, expected to work from home for the next two weeks. So uh, North Carolina and Charlotte in general have actually been pretty good or proactive uh, in getting their shit together, so to speak. Um, they've shut down things pretty rapidly here. Uh, so we will be working from home for the next two weeks, maybe longer. Um, and kind of they're putting into practice that self-isolation stuff already. Um, other than that. Everything's pretty much the same here. I went, uh, I went grocery shopping, uh, yesterday and it was like the apocalypse was coming. Um, <laughs> everything was gone. Milk was gone. Bread was gone. Like if you're self isolating for two or three weeks, why are you taking the things that are going to expire in like a week's time? I don't understand. <laughs> All the fresh meat was gone. It's just, it's just bizarre. Um, Amir, what about you? Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely, definitely affect personal and uh, professional level. You know, as you guys know, I am a dentist here and I, I don't work in private practice. I work for um, a federally qualified community health center um, to give you just a quick 10 second snap of what that is, is that, you know, uh, the, the predominantly patients that we see in my clinic are uh, Medicaid, which means they uh, rely on government for their insurance, you know, their uh um, their income is at a certain level. So, but my clinic is, you know, dental, medical, uh, women's care, OBGYN, pediatrics, it's everything in there. And it's been, it's been crazy this week for the dental clinic. It's been weird because we have a lot of patients that are stealing our masks and stealing our gloves. And, um, to give you a quick story, I had a 72 year old man. I was uh, doing a denture on and, um, I clearly saw that he took a box of gloves and put it in his backpack and I was, and I was really uncomfortable. I had to call him out on it, but it's the sign of the times. I mean, theft is a big thing in our clinic. Um, the big thing for our country is, I don't know how it is in England, but the lack of testing is a massive problem. I'll give you an example. So in my health center, you know, in America, you have to have a prescription to get tested for the coronavirus. Pretty much that means that you have flu-like symptoms, but you tested negative for the flu and you tested negative for strep throat. So on Friday, I went upstairs to just to talk to a medical colleague because I just wanted to know, like, are we testing in my clinic? And he's like, yeah. He's, I'm like, well, how many do we have? He's like, well, we have 12. I'm like, okay, how many did you turn away today? He's like, 77. I'm like, Jesus. So 77 people that were told to get tested for the coronavirus at my clinic did not get tested. And we're just one clinic in one city. So that's a little worrisome. I don't know how it is in England with the testing, but that's a problem here. On a personal level, um, you know, it's a little scary. My wife's scared you know, because I'm a dentist and you know, when you go get your fillings done, we're aerosolizing bacteria and viruses. So I'm really hoping my clinic kind of stops that. You know, I, I emailed my director and said, look, we should only be doing emergencies. If someone's in pain, we'll see them. But if someone's just getting elective treatment, like your cleaning or fillings, that can wait, you know. Um, and yeah, it's just, I, mean, I just, I, I just got on my phone a Twitter alert that in Ohio and Illinois, they are banning and closing all restaurants and bars. So I have a feeling that's going to start sweeping across the nation. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Right? I believe Los Angeles just announced the same thing. Um, and I, I feel your pain on the testing piece as well. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte, I believe at last census had just over a million people in it, say in like Mecklenburg County, which is kind of the county that Charlotte is in. Yeah. Um, and they announced Thursday that 
the CDC have provided three tests for the county. That's um, unbelievable. They have, you know, they have told they have told uh, the county that um, once they have used those three tests, they can be given three more. Yeah. So uh, I definitely uh, can see what's going on here. And, you know, this this is the kind of problem that Italy had. And look at how Italy are. My uh, my, se- my second gripe is, uh, I don't know if you guys saw this yesterday, but there was another NBA player for the Detroit Pistons that tested positive. I don't know his name off the top of my head. But because our, at our work, they're saying, oh, yeah, you know, patients are symptomatic, meaning cough, flu, you know, cough, fever, um, et cetera. You know, we don't have to see them. But I was like, this guy for the Pistons, the night before he tested positive, had a career high with 32 points. And I was like, this is the problem is a lot of people, they're asymptomatic for up to five days. So um, that's worrisome, you know. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, yeah. And, you know, talking of the, the Pistons and the NBA, um, I'm going to kind of lean on you here as well in terms yeah. of I saw a very uh, I, I really liked the headline. I thought it was very kind of impactful. Um, I think it was the New York Times put it or the Post um, the day sports stopped. Um, yes. and it just kind of had all the icons of all the U.S. sports and the, the fact that they'd all basically shut down yes. um, the same day the Premier League did. And you know, as the person who follows a lot of the U.S. sport compared to me and Russ here, um, what uh, how how is that going to impact U.S. sports? How you know what happens next for them? Um, I know yeah. the NFL has said they're going to be starting as usual in September, but um, I know for a fact that there's a lot of Brighton fans that watch the NBA, watch Major League Baseball, watch yeah. all of these things because I see it on my Twitter feed. And how do you think that that's going to affect that side of the this side of the pond, so to speak? Yeah, yeah, no, great, great point. So I remember when I went to England last year, actually, I was talking to, I don't know if I was talking to Russ about this or who it was, but I know in England and Europe in general, like college sports is not very popular. But here in America, and I'm sure you've picked up on it, Josh, March Madness is like uh, a religion. And yes. um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's almost like, you know, it's, it, I'm a soccer fan, too, so I get just as excited for the World Cup as you guys do. But it's almost like that kind of excitement for March Madness. And when that got taken away, I'm telling you, man, the, the conversation at work, everybody was talking about that. Just sad that we're not going to fill out our brackets this year. We're not going to have a national champion. And and the, that really hurt. And then with the NBA, um, that's going to be like the kind of the same talk with the Premier League is, OK, if we start up again, what do we do? Do we make up the games we missed or are we so far along? Are we in June and July now where that's not possible? Or do you cancel it all together? It's like I don't know what they're going to. I know the NBA has stopped for at least 30 days, so that'll probably put us around mid-April. Um, my honest opinion, I don't think there's going to be any NBA in April, to be honest, nor do I think there'll be Premier League in April, which is kind of sad. But that's my opinion. But um that's a tough question. Like, what do you do? Do you do you pick up where you left off and extend the season? But well, that can throw everything off. Do you just start the playoffs with with, with the teams that are seated now, like in the prem? You just, but then that wouldn't be fair, like you know, to the teams that are in the bottom three right now. Because or nor would it be like, how would you deal with the te- teams in the championship and the top three? Like, this is really complicated, and uh, I don't know what the hell I would do. <laughs> yeah it's it's a tough one and i mean i guess that's kind of the main event of this this whole podcast today it really is what happens next for the albion and the football season you know this is a football podcast this is a brighton podcast so i mean this is this is what we're we're really i'm sure we've all been thinking about ever since they announced that this was all the sports were kind of shutting down so russ 
Give me your thoughts. And here, give me your thoughts. There are lots of things to, to, to put into, put into motion if you're going to be kind of canceling things or keeping them together. When do you, when do you implement transfer windows? Do you keep them the same? Um, because at that point you're going to have people visiting international travel. Is that going to be allowed? Um, and then how do we affect the Euros, the World Cups? Uh, are the, are the FA Cups and the League Cups, you know, in danger of, of being a, a possibility at all for a year or two? Yeah, well, mm-hmm. there's the, the certainly all sorts of permutations. Um, I mean, the other the other thing as well is contracts. Um, for example, just to give one example, Leeds, one of the teams hoping to go up this season, uh, Ben White, and apparently I think three or four other players on loan. Those loan periods are going to finish before the season does now, even taking into account the fact Leeds are unlikely to feature in the playoffs should we have carried on with the normal format. Um, even then, um, the season wouldn't be completed, in my opinion, before... Uh, those contracts run out, even if they're at the end of June. And if that's the case, that's one whole thing in itself, isn't it? De Bruyne let and the other teams let those players mm-hmm. stay with Leeds if they're trying to complete a season. Do we suddenly nab them back because we now need them to try and stay out of trouble? But that's if the season carries on. Um, so, so that's another connotation. All sorts. It's a legal minefield. Um, the one thing we're certainly sure of is whatever we do, there's going to be uh, people that are not going to be happy. It's not going to be an ideal scenario. Because there isn't a perfect solution to this, is there? It's unprecedented mm-hmm. and massively problematic. Um, I don't know what you think, Amir. Have you have you got an idea what you you would do? I, I, I actually I actually do have an idea, and, I, and this yeah. is so. If I was the 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 head of uh, football in England, I wonder uh, if this is going to be the same idea as mine. <laughs> I just I, wonder, <laughs> I just want to say this to see what you guys think and think. Is this batshit crazy? Or cause I, I, so let's hypothetically say there's no games in April, let's say there's no games in May. And at that point, we have to just kind of, you know, call it a season. Well, the only solution to me is, okay, so you don't relegate anyone this year. You bring the top three from the championship up, and we have 23 teams next year, and six teams get relegated. What do you guys think of that? Hmm. Well, Impossible I mean, or possible? It's, it's possible, and it's, it's what Italy are proposing. It's actually what Chile did. They, theirs was a, a different They're copying match. me, Russ. They're copying me. <laughs> yeah, they are. I mean, that Chile scenario was something different and, and some time yeah. of a short while ago. But um, essentially, they, they named the champions as they were at the time when the season had to be cancelled due to civil unrest and various other problems. And they basically did what you've just suggested, or a form of it anyway. Um, Italy are talking about doing the same. Um, I think it's maybe the closest you can get to a fair idea. I mean, yeah. What's been proposed has been either to void the season, uh, which the likes of Karen Brady of West Ham and Tottenham apparently are in favour of doing. Surprise, surprise in West Ham's case. Um, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so there's, there's either that, which would be incredibly harsh on the likes of Liverpool, Leeds, West Brom, um, etc. Uh, Brentford, other clubs trying to get in the playoffs and various others beside. Or you could continue the season later, but obviously that depends if that's feasible. It depends how long this thing goes on for. Uh, but that would involve delaying the start of the season, the Euro 20s, um, maybe World Cup 22 would have to be shifted along um, due to the knock-on effect with all the scheduling and all unresolved cup comps from this season as well. Um, the other option is to freeze the season permanently. Um, and that's obviously where the Chile-Italy idea comes in, your idea, um, which is something I think could work. I mean, the only problem I've got with it is what would you do? Would you award the title to Liverpool 
honour all the other current status? Would you award it to Liverpool, freeze relegation and allow the top two in, which is, I think, roughly what you're saying, isn't it there, Hamid? Yeah, um, yeah. Or do you, um, and, and then you have a 22-team season, of course, and the yeah. idea of five down, two up, and it'll take two or three years to realign everything. You'd have to get the other leagues to agree to something similar, which is where the problem is because of the, should we say, much more tightly arranged um, situation with the tables in the lower divisions. Or you yeah. can award the title to Liverpool, adopt, as you said, some form of playoff to decide relegation and, uh, and, and uh, European spots as well. Um, those are, I guess, are the options. Um, the, my idea was um, rather more radical, actually, Amir. It was whether or not we try and give the virus to all of the professional players and all the other first-team staff and anyone else affiliated with match day, um, hands-on, and um, restart the season in three or four weeks. <laughs> but um, that, would re- <laughs> that would rely on uh, there not being any reinfections happening, which apparently is a thing that is happening. So even that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I, do wa- I do wonder if this is uh, simply nature's way of telling us that a Winter World Cup is an abomination worthy of a global <laughs> pandemic. Um, you know, my eyes lit up when you said that would this affect the 2022 20, World Cup? Because, you know, we all know that that's the biggest piece of corruption in football in a long long time um and you know i'm just wondering how much would that be affected uh depending on how long this kind of thing goes on you're right like if we unless we're able to just push like a hard reset button in september um that that is gonna the winter world cup is 100 percent gonna be affected because it's gonna it's gonna have that knock-on effect so i'm wondering there that's, I mean, that was something I didn't even consider before today when you just said that. But that's another thing you have to think about as to what they're going to do to to deal with that, because Qatar have put a lot of preparation in, whether it's right or wrong. Um, and, you know, that's the same kind of thing with the Olympics. Tokyo have worked very hard to get their Olympics ready. And it looks like for the second time running, uh, Tokyo's Olympics are going to be cancelled. Yeah, <laughs> so. They're the only other team, the only other nation, sorry, to have had an Olympics cancelled before because of World War Two. <laughs> That's uh, mental. But I mean, it's going to be January 22, isn't it? The Qatar World Cup, I think. So we're not talking even like we've got till the summer to sort it out of that year, of course, because they brought it forward because of the climate scenario. I think that's right, isn't it? January 22. Um, yes, yes. So, I mean, but, you know, with everything falling into place, with if you have all like five teams coming down and three teams going up and, you know, I'm just I wonder if it would be a case of if we did that, which definitely seems like a possibility at this point, um, if you just cancel the League Cup um, and maybe even possibly the FA Cup and the uh, what is what is the smaller cup now? It used to be the Johnston's paint back when I was paying attention. Uh, yeah, well, the official name is the. Um, English Football League trophy, and it's currently um, the. I've forgotten what it's called now at the moment. Actually, I don't know what the See, look, We've forgotten. Uh, we've forgotten where we've come from, Russ. We yeah. Have... <laughs> yeah. So I, mean, I wonder if it would just be prudent to cancel all of the the cup tournaments um, and start if we do end up starting the season in you know September, late September or whatever time we end up starting it, and canceling all the cup tournaments to enable us to kind of fit in that first set of games. Um, and can that, that way you could then continue with the international breaks um, and allow teams to kind of re-prepare for the Euros in 2021. And then 
you would then kind of have a shortened period between you'd only have kind of 18 months between the Euros and then the World Cup, which is also insane to think of. Um, but not a bad thing for people like us who just love watching football. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I think I think for me, I think I think I'm probably siding on uh, the I, I can see a lot of it could be it would shake things up. Um and it would be very interesting. And I, I, I'm not entirely against the, the kind of five go down, bring up the top two from the division. Um, and then it's just a case of working out the logistics of that and how far down you go. You know, if you're, are you bringing everybody from League Two up and you'll have like seven teams relegated from League One? Um, how do the regional ones work further down? How far do you cascade would be an interesting uh, conversation yeah. to have. I'm not sure how far you would go down because you know, the, the the beauty of the football system and pyramid over in Europe is that this would affect the teams all the way down to park level, you know? So, yeah. I mean, theoretically, so it would be interesting. Um, I think Karen Brady is not only pro uh, void everything because her West Ham team are a shambles. Um, I think it's probably also because she's probably done a bunch of very nice cash deals at, with the Olympic Stadium for some gigs in the summer that, look like they may not go ahead if West Ham have to play games. So I think she's just chasing the money more than she's chasing the the, the survivability of West Ham, so to speak. And yeah. I think Spurs also put that forward, which wouldn't shock me, because I'm sure that they also, being in that super fancy stadium they have, are kind of pushing that that idea because they have a crap ton of money coming in from their, their events they have planned in the summer. Yeah, that's spot yeah. on. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Um, it's no coincidence it's those two clubs who are the forefront of the uh, void the season idea. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right, spot on there, actually. And the idea about the cuts, that's interesting. I think that that's something that could work. At the very least, they could ditch the EFL League Cups uh, next season to accommodate most of that space. That would certainly help. And then play some midweek matches uh, for the league. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think there's some merit in that idea. And I'd certainly be, at the moment, my personal preference would be if at all possible for us to continue the season at whatever dates can then be uh, resumed and and just just realign everything it's an unprecedented situation it calls for unprecedented measures um, I just hope we can have some measures in the end that allow that season to reach its conclusion because that's the fairest way for everybody and I think it's what the fans and the players and everyone else wants isn't it mm-hmm. yeah that's my thing is I, I really hope um that the season's not just canceled because that'd be really, I mean, obviously it would benefit obviously the Albion and West Ham given the strength of schedule that we have left. It'd be really unfair to those teams like Watford and uh, that are kind of fighting and have maybe have an easier schedule than us. But I kind of like your idea, Russ, about having a, um, a playoff at the end, but and who knows? I mean, I don't even know when a decision would come down, but um, it's fun to speculate. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, mean, I also <laughs> wonder at what point, um, you know, UEFA uh, or even FIFA are going to get involved because, I mean, football across the globe has pretty much came to a halt. Uh, and, you know, yeah. almost every every football league bar in the US really has the promotion relegation system. Um, I'm wondering, you know, at what point do UEFA or FIFA step in and give a blanket instruction um, as to say, you know, this is what we we expect from all of the leagues to do, and they expect them to void it or they expect them to honour the positions. Um, I'm wondering if they'll say anything or not. I mean, they don't say anything about racism. They don't say anything about corruption. <laughs> but this is uh, 
you know, this worldwide pandemic is also massive. I'm wondering if they would have the balls to come out and kind of do something, uh, kind of putting their foot down. But then at the same time, do I trust them to make a good decision? And the answer is absolutely not. So, I definitely nope. don't. <laughs> Unanimous. Um, well, I mean, the, we've mentioned the, the knock-on effects on the cup, uh, the Euro, sorry, the Euro 2020 and World Cup 2022, if there's a delayed season scenario. Um, I guess that's that's the answer there. If if that's what we go with, um, UEFA would have something to say about that because it's their tournament that's going to get affected, and FIFA obviously with the World Cup later on as well. Um, they're meeting on Tuesday, UEFA, aren't they, for an extraordinary general meeting or whatever it is to decide on um, basically to, what they're going to do about Euro 2020. Um, it seems pretty much inevitable that they're going to have to postpone that because even as it sits at the moment, there's no there's no um, assurance that that could go ahead, even if nothing else happens or is scheduled between now and then. So it's, yeah, they, they would have to intervene in some way, I would think, at some point. Yeah, you guys I mean, might know this. Has, has, oh, sorry. I'm sorry, go on. I was going to ask you guys this. Has any, has any, I know nothing like this has happened in the Premier League, but has there any, been any scenario in the last 20 or so years that Prem's been around? Anything like this where games stopped? Um, no, I, no, I don't think so, Josh. Was that? No, I, I mean, of. I mean, the only, I mean, the only thing we could probably go back to is wartime, and I'd, I have, I would have to go and have a look at what, what happened in wartime, other than just kind of the absolute suspension. But you know, in the, in the 40s, it also wasn't the juggernaut that it is today. So it, I'm sure it's probably not even close to comparable. Um, yeah. But I, I think you're going that far yeah. back where you're talking about a suspension of games. Yeah, I mean, we've had the big freeze yeah, once in a while where things have gone off for maybe three, four weeks, maybe for weather reasons. But um, that's very unusual. And, you know, you can still accommodate it into a season by and large. So, yeah, nothing. Yeah, because I, I mean, now. yeah, because I mean, I remember the one year that we had eight games in April, I think, or something like that, because of that exact thing. We had a we had a big cold front come in and everything got called off for two or three weeks. And we ended up playing eight games in the space of 27 days or something ridiculous. Was that the League One promotion season? It was, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was that was March one year. Yeah, it was eight games, and we I think we won seven of them or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think we did. Um, yeah, it's it's such a strange situation, um, and you know, it's not just going to be um, just UEFA worried about the Euros, but there's a lot of cities that it's going to this year. Um, or supposed to have been going to this year, they're kind of doing that weird shared Euros thing, aren't they? And that's kind of the perfect storm, isn't it? Because you have a bunch of people who have a bunch of countries who have probably put a whole lot of work into being ready. You know, England are lucky that they don't have to be, but I'm sure there's a bunch of smaller Euro countries that have worked hard to be as ready as they can be for 2020's Euros. And at the same time, by having it so spread out, it's the easiest way to spread the virus because <laughs> going all the way, like, you know, there's there's a lot of people that save up a lot of money to go all the way across the across different countries. People were flying on weird ass remote planes to peace places in Russia and stuff like that. A couple <laughs> of years. So, it's just tough. Um I'm not sure how they're gonna they're gonna deal with the with the Euros at all. Um, and like you said, I, I mean, I just don't see any way it can go ahead if they're saying that it's supposed to be a um, you know it's supposed to pretty much reach reach its peak in June. Um, what are you supposed to do? You can't run a tournament <coughs> in the middle of it. 
Yeah. 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 With the with the um, playoff idea, by the way, just one further thought on that one. Um, the additional complication with that is, I mean, I don't know if you'd suggest um, the top team plays the bottom team, second top plays second bottom, something like that, etc. I'm not quite sure how far you go up and down with that. I'm guessing you cut off just um, in between Brighton and the <clears throat> bottom five. Obviously. You start at 16, you leave 15 <laughs> alone. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, also, but also, Aston Villa have got a game in hand, which could put them above two, maybe three teams. I haven't looked at the table. Um, definitely they can go above teams. So that would dictate who they might have been playing in such a playoff if they'd have already played that game in hand. So even then, there's kind of complications with it, isn't it? Um, and further down the um, pecking order in lower divisions, it's even worse. Um, there's, there's all sorts of games in hand. People have got over each other. Um, easier run-ins and all those sort of things to debate as well. It's re- it really is a minefield, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, even if even if you kind of said that the people in the playoffs had some kind of playoff as well to kind of play behind closed doors or whatever to to go towards, you have problems still because I saw yesterday when we were talking about it, kind of spitballing the ideas. Wickham Wanderers have a game in hand, and winning that game in hand <laughs> can take them from seventh outside of the playoffs to second in an automatic spot. So wow. you, that's that's a huge differential, and I mean that I know Wickham aren't the most like lucrative club in the world, but I'm sure they would have a, a lot of big lawyers willing to run the case like that to be able to say that they've got some kind of say in not having any opportunity whatsoever when they're one win away. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that it's uh, it's crazy stuff, isn't it? Absolutely crazy. And um, as you said, we've got such a rich pyramid; it goes down a huge way down. Um, you look at the National League Premier, which for stateside um, listeners might might not know, it's, the, it's basically the fifth step of English football. It's the first one below the EFL. Um, they've got Barrow, who are top of the table. They put quite a bit of money into their season to try and get into the Football League for the first time in decades. Um, you know, they might be in some sort of financial problems if they've overcommitted. Yeah, they shouldn't, but they may be taking a gamble. It's technically come off, and then it's not come off, um, you know. There's further down the line as well, you've got so many clubs of a decent size, ex-league clubs, trying to get back into the league. And it's difficult enough. There's already a bottleneck with, a, I think, an unreasonably small number of clubs go up and down between League Two and the National League Prem, to be honest, in my opinion. But it's even worse if you've got to wait a year because of this voiding situation. Um, and even going further beyond that, you know, there's a, there's a whole structure, as you know, Josh, going way down below, below that, spread out in a triangle form. <coughs> Um, right through the leagues, and there's I've noticed some unusual names uh, flying high this year. So right the way down, there's there's connotations for clubs having an unusually good season who certainly can't guarantee ever doing that again necessarily. So it's very difficult, really difficult. Yeah, yeah, uh, it is. Um, for Albion, uh, from an Albion perspective, um, you know, what do you, how do you feel about it from from a blue and white perspective? Is this kind of are we kind of thinking this is a bit of a blessing or is this almost a bit of a curse? Because I feel like we <clears throat> traditionally always play well against uh, Arsenal. Um, we were due to play them at home next after kind of almost finding the right away formula against Wolves. Uh, you know, Potter seems just about to get it now um, in terms of how to how to keep a clean sheet <clears throat> and almost steal a win away from home. Um, and, you know, I'm sure the Amex was going to be rocking uh, Arsenal were supposed to have played the game middle of the week against Manchester City, and now we're we're left in no man's land with a possibility of playing behind closed <clears> doors, 
a possibility of playing in two months from now. Um, you know, what do you what do you think on terms of like an Albion perspective? Is this do you think that we've got lucky here and it gives us a bit more time to prepare and, and recalibrate, or is this like a, a an annoying bump in the road we didn't need? <laughs> well, I'm going to say that uh, I, I totally agree with your points that in terms of you. Know, it, it felt like we had the you know the, the direction going in the right way with Arsenal at home, but I I'm I'm going to say we're lucky in a sense because just given how poor we've been in 2020, you know, there's no there's no denying that. Um, I mean, it's the whole situation is unfortunate, and I hate that it's happened. Because, uh, but my opinion is, I, I do think we're a little bit lucky, just because you know we're in bad form overall the last three months. Um, I've disagreed with some of the players that are playing. I, I know I think I've texted Rosh, uh, Josh and and uh, and uh, Russell about this. You know, I, I kind of wish. I feel like you know the last <clears throat> six or seven games. You know, when Ali Reza's come in, he's He's been productive. He's drawing fouls. He's, he's creating chances. You know, he should be starting. Um, and and uh, those type of things are – obviously, that's when football starts. We'll talk about those things. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that we're lucky just given the form that we're in. Um, maybe this is what we needed. I don't know. Time will tell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I had an overwhelmingly confident feeling about the game against Arsenal um, when it was scheduled to still be on. Uh, at its original date, and I, I was convinced we were going to do the double over them. Um, I'm sometimes wrong with those feelings. Quite often I'm right, though, and um, when that happens, it doesn't happen every week, needless to say. Uh, but uh, it's it's one of those things where it feels like I don't really know what would happen now if the game got replayed, uh, or finally played. Um, it could be a totally different ball ballgame. Uh, we, we could just have been utterly disrupted by having had these weeks off, as you said, Josh, we're just finding a little bit of a flow um, with, the, with the Wolves game. Apparently, one, I think one of the players interviewed in the Argus over here was saying something about how they were giving greater focus to snuffing out danger at their own end in the defensive department. Um, so it felt like things were getting together. McAllister was just easing his way in. Various component parts felt like it was, it was potentially a good little run that we were able to go on, beating Arsenal, I think, and then maybe getting a, at least a draw. Uh, for the Man U game, if we've got the confidence to ride off. Um, that could have been it, and that could have set us well on the way. Now, if the season's frozen or voided as it is, that both of those scenarios suit the Albion, obviously. Um, if the season were to be replayed later on, um, I'm a little bit more concerned, actually, now, because I think if we don't get that Arsenal result that I'm convinced we were going to get, <laughs> then I'm thinking, hmm, you know, if we start off on a bad foot, will we do finally resume? Does that lead us down a path we don't want to be seeing? Um, it's, it's a who-knows scenario, isn't it, really? It really is. But uh, I'm a bit worried if it does carry on as it is now, um, whether because we're, we're only one step, aren't we, in safety at the moment? Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I suppose <laughs> if it was to finish, there is there is quite a big part of me that wants them to just stop the whole thing because I think that, we we need a summer window for Potter to kind of get everything out and everything in, but at the same time, it kind of feels like you've cheated your way there. Um, it's kind of like the equivalent of you know football manager or like FIFA like resetting the game if something didn't go your way, just turning it off and walking out. Um, it feels a little bit weird, but at the same time, like you said, it, it obviously benefits us, and you know from a even more kind of prudent perspective, that's another 
120 odd million pounds that we're probably going to get for TV. And that's that's more safety and security for us if we weren't lucky next year. Yeah, and you mentioned money. Of course, that's the massive thing, isn't there? There's such a, a huge amount of money involved in whatever permutations manifest themselves. So, um, it, you know, it, it just costs such a crazy amount of money to a club to not go up when they were nailed on to do so, more or less, if they were in with a decent chance, or if they were going to go down and they get a second bite of the cherry or whatever. You know, it's, it's just mm-hmm. huge amounts of, of monetary difference. And... That's where the problem lies, because it's not just the football, is it, really? This is a business, uh, and it's, it's, going to be a, it's going to be a horrendous thing to sort out. You mentioned FIFA, though, Josh. I think we've got our answer, haven't we? Just get everyone to play FIFA to finish the season off. <laughs> yeah, I saw, some, uh, I saw some clubs were absolutely brilliant over the weekend. Uh, I saw that Watford um, simulated their game in real time on Football Manager. Uh, I saw a couple of the other teams... Um, Saw a couple of other teams doing it on FIFA, things like that. Uh, I think Plymouth had some kind of choose your own adventure <laughs> mode where you just kind of like it was uh, it was really great. And I saw that Brighton, I saw Naylor and a couple of the others were kind of pretending there was still the game going on. Um, and we I think we won that too, two one. Um, so even they had a good feeling about it. Clearly. Well, I think I think Malpe scored, scored a goal in the twelfth minute, and uh, Naylor's. Uh, <laughs> or something. <laughs> oh man, yeah, you guys were right, man. And one thing I wanted to bring up is I feel like the last two or three, like two games, or it's been so fun watching like uh, Bazuma play, and I'm kind of bummed that I couldn't watch him play yesterday because he's been doing. I mean, oh my god, he's yeah. like, like a complete 180, and he's just been tracking up, and you know, it's like, is that momentum going to be killed? Like, I mean, a lot of questions that we don't know the answer to, you know. Yeah, that's a good shout. Basuma, another another reason indeed why it's a shame for the disruption. Um, you, you, because, yeah, he was on form. He's on fire. He was finding his feet. In fact, he was the guy I predicted to score against Arsenal as well. So uh, <laughs> there we go. But it's ah, it's so frustrating, isn't it? But it, this is just a unique scenario. And um, I, I'm not quite sure how it resolves itself. Um, other than FIFA, <laughs> definitely. Liverpool would be f- happy with that. Apparently, they've got the world world champion um, FIFA player as a Liverpool <laughs> fan, so they wouldn't have any issues. Uh, <laughs> hey, Russ, what are, they, what are they saying in England on the, you know, on the TV and the news there? About, is anyone speculating, any of the sports journalists or anything like that? Uh, plenty, yeah. I mean, they've essentially been running through the same kind of scenarios I've, I've been mentioning and you guys have been mentioning today. Oh, okay. um, there are lots of different um, things. A sports lawyer came on at one point saying that he thought the season would have to be voided as the only sort of, well, as the easiest way out of the legal connotations. Um, you've had Kira Maguire, who's an Albion fan, who's, uh, who's a football finance expert that's pretty much the um, rent-a-quote for anything, really. He's on, he's on every kind of uh, media format, um, giving his opinion on it, which is always very good. And he was saying there's all sorts of connotations. There's been a lot of talk from all sorts of people, really. Um, Paul Barber actually was on the uh, the flagship uh, lunchtime program on Saturday mornings. It's normally obviously preceding the matches. Um, he was on. It was only a shortened episode of 30 minutes. Uh, he was given a good. I think it was about 10 minutes plus on the show, um, being interviewed by Skype from his um, uh, from the training ground office. And yeah, he had plenty to say. He thinks they should award the title to Liverpool. And in the ideal scenario, 
if at all possible, complete the season when they can, and then just you know have have some um, sort of delayed conclusions along the line, which <clears throat> is pretty much what I think we should do as well. Um, but he he felt that Liverpool should be awarded the title because of the magnitude of the lead they've got. I mean, where, that's another thing, isn't it? Where it's a grey area. Where where do you draw the line? Obviously, Liverpool only need four points from nine games. That's not not going to happen um, if they if the season carries out. But where do you draw the line? Ten points with City having a game in hand. Would you still award it to them then? It's just uh, I don't know. But I do think Liverpool should be awarded the title because that is so nailed on and they deserve that. And it's I think it's so clear cut. I think you can make a different distinction and perhaps avoid the season aside from that. I, I don't know. It's it's difficult. But, but yeah, um, a lot of opinion split really is is the general answer to your question there, Amir. Um, Lots of people talking about all sorts of crazy ideas they're coming up with, um, ways they can try and differentiate it. You could work out average scores, I suppose, involving um, who's got games in hand. That's one other proposal that was made um, to try and iron things out. Um, but there's a hell of a lot of talk about it, all the sports channels, obviously, but the the, the wider um, media is talking about, obviously, coronavirus in general, but also there's quite a bit of sports chat in the national media uh, the general national media as well, um, and it's on the lips of everyone really. So yeah, uh, yeah, of course it's uh, it's a big deal. Yeah, well I suppose we only have one question left, and this is one that Amir was desperate to have. Um, <laughs> so he wants to know uh, during our time of self quarantine, uh, what is what is the drink of choice for the for the people sat at home? <laughs> and I guess we'll start with you, Russ. Well. <laughs> um, so you're saying what, what's my personal one and what is the general nation's choice as well? I mean, whatever you would. What, what's 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 the what's the drink that you're going to be uh, drinking at home while you're in self quarantine? And we'll, we'll kind of use that as your your sponsored drink that you recommend the nation to have. Uh, well, I, uh, I absolutely love a good bit of ale. So I'm, as uh, Amir would have discovered. Uh, <laughs> any of those is great um, there's, a, there's a great session IPA I'm trying to remember what it was called I think it's called Futility or something like that which sounds rather appropriate um, I'm trying to remember that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was trying to look it up earlier actually um, for another reason and um, couldn't find it so I think I've forgotten the name of the brewery so that's a bit useless so I'll skip that one and say <laughs> if I can get in tin or bottle format a nice pint of Hepcat by the Gypsy Hill Brewery. That would be my choice. Or some red wine. There's some stuff called Pelagro I've been on at the moment, which is wonderful stuff, really smooth, if we want a more discerning night in uh, amongst many nights in. (laughs) 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 Of which there might be many. (laughs) Yeah, 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 you may want to get several bottles uh, because this this may be the long haul. Yeah, well, there's someone I was speaking to today who said his mate had got 48 of the larger than pint size Stella bottles in um, for self isolation. I thought, oh my God, what's going on? <laughs> Stella. Oh, man, the man's insane, really, drinking that stuff. But anyway. <laughs> but uh, it's a great question, by the way, and it is the most important question, Josh, I have to say. Yeah, I'm keen to know Amir's view here. What's, what's the man having? Over well, there? Uh, I'll be honest with you, Russ. You know, the games come on here in Colorado, usually around uh, the 3 p.m. kickoffs or 8 a.m. for me. 
Um, so you, usually on a nice Saturday after a long week of work, I'm sitting down with a screwdriver <laughs> and a little orange oh, juice and, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, vodka, but no, I'm just hearing you talking about that. Just, uh, it makes him, makes me miss you, buddy. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I already told Anna, I was like, well, our Disney world trip got canceled, but the whole, the whole point of that deal was we are going to England next year. Cause we, sp- we, 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 we were going to spend more money in Orlando than we did on our England trip. So I was like, we're going to England next year. I, c- I can't wait to come back. Um, I hope we're still in the Prem, but if we're in the championship, Hey, tickets will be cheaper, right? <laughs> <laughs> Don't count on it. But I hope we get, I hope we get the Prem back in April. I really do. Um, my honest opinion is I, I hate to be a negative Nancy, but I don't think we're going to see Premier League soccer in April. Um, I, I hope I'm wrong. Hmm. I think you're probably right. That's my prediction. It's definitely not going to be this three-week thing. It's going to go way beyond that, isn't it? Um, I, I would say, well, I think somebody said, it might have been Professor Ian Donald, who I think is one of the advisors for the government, that said um, that there's expected to be a gestation period. It's going to come up to, I think, the 10 to 14-week mark was going to be the um, the key phase or so, 10 or 14 weeks from now, I think it was. Basically, it was going to be mid-May to mid-June, they thought, was going to be the peak period. So I don't know if they can engineer it to to uh, onset sooner or what, or what, I don't know. But uh, if it's as long as that, that's going to really set things back, isn't it? Um, getting people match sharp afterwards as well. But, uh, well, yeah, it's not looking good, is it, for a, a quick return, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think if you're talking June, I think you've got to really just cancel the whole thing. Um, and, and, you know, whatever the solution is, I think I think that the idea of finishing the season isn't a viable solution. If it is, you know, end of May, beginning of June, simply because, like you said, like we'll have had almost two and a half months out. They're going to need a full preseason again under their belt <laughs> before they yeah. uh, before they can carry on again. Because, you know, not playing a single game in three months potentially is just you can't just bounce straight back into Brighton versus Arsenal and so on and so forth. I just I don't think it's doable. Um yeah, I think we've gone round in a lot of circles, gents. It's been an honor and a pleasure. And uh I'm glad that it's uh I'm glad it's not us that have even paid the big bucks to work out a decision because we clearly <laughs> haven't came to any and I'm, I'm not sure they're gonna either. So uh yeah, thank you for coming on. Um and we will we will reconvene either at the end of the season if there is an end. Um, or you know, possibly some point before the next time a ball is kicked to uh, to discuss <laughs> what on earth has happened since then. Yeah, definitely. We should, <laughs> we should definitely um, have a hook up again for another one of these at some point. And yes, uh, Amir, we're looking forward to wherever you can make it over, whichever division we're in. That'll be great too. And uh, thanks for absolutely, having us. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, th- yeah, thank you guys. I always like talking to you guys. I, I wish this was a different conversation, but. Um, I hope you guys all stay safe and um, we'll talk to you all soon. Yep, likewise. Stay safe, stay uh, stay isolated and uh, have a good one. <laughs> Cheers. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.